0: See, good morning, Tam and Sir Sock. Why
1: are you talking like that with the southern accent? Is it because maybe you're in this <laughs> house? I am getting closer
0: to you by the day. I am in Texas, honey. You're Burning are in Texas and we're in a huge heat wave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me before I came out that I was going to freaking die from a heat stroke. Oh, it's horrible. It's like a hundred. I was in the car and
1: I put on my Instagram because half of my Instagram is like Aussies and half are the U.S. And like, you know, I'll be like, I said, oh, it's like a hundred degrees out here. What is it? Like 40 degrees in Australia. And everyone came back and said, no, it's not that hot. It's only 39. So then yesterday I went out, it was 116. So I was like, well, what is this in Celsius? And they're like, it's. 46. Like, I feel like we would die. And I'm like, exactly. It's friggin' hot outside. (laughs) It's so hot.
0: You're like, I want you. So, yesterday, I decided to take my daughter to this, like, it was like an outdoor, like, splash pad thing. Of course. Like, right? Like, just to keep cool. And we went to that, and I was wearing a sundress, and I stupidly wore a strapless bra. Like, oh no, he had a tent. Girl, no, I got back home and I was disrobing, and I, my bra was like three times the weight that it was when I put it on because there was so much boobs. Oh, I thought you're just
1: gonna have that big line like right yes, across a sunburn. Too, and that's that always too. super sexy. My husband, what? when he takes his socks off, literally, <laughs> it looks like he's wearing socks. Because Still. he's like super like tanned until right to his ankle and then it's pure white. So I'm like, that is sexy when we get into bed. I'm like, maybe you should cover your feet.
0: <laughs> oh my god. And then like the full like barber tan, like the sleeves and like yeah. the
1: shorts line. I'm like, maybe we'll just use the covers today. Like maybe we'll just Cover that part up. You like lights out. I don't know about you, but I've been having, you know, because the kids are at home. I just, I'm like really struggling. I wouldn't say I feel happy overall. Like I feel like my mental health is pretty good. But I'm really struggling keeping my shit together with my kids, you know, like, I think, you you know, our situation, we had, you know, everyone had COVID, lots of kids were at home. And then I went on the road with my kids for pretty much two years. So I haven't had them in school for almost like two and a half years. we have been homeschooling and I'm not a good homeschool teacher. Like I've ended up putting them in tutors for the for the last like two months because I think it's ruining my relationship with my kids. Um, But I'm getting to the point, like, even this morning, I woke up, and I was like, okay, I'd start with the positive mantra, we're gonna have a great day, everything's gonna be great, and then I just hear this, this this whining in my ear, and I just can't handle it, it's too early to be whining, Mm -hmm. and I just, I know I'm supposed to, like, calm my limbic system down, ground myself, but I just don't know how realistic it is, and then I find myself doing things like, why are we whining you know it's too early for this I use your life really that difficult I think I said this morning and I know it's not what I should be saying but I'm
0: finding it super difficult yes well it's you know and it's the summer too so it's like there's the heat that's playing into yeah, all this yeah. and it's like the kids are you know they're like not it's a, not a full day for them anymore yeah. to like these stuck. so it's like I don't know about you too and I totally get what you're saying but I'm like running out of activities too. I'm just like, uh Yeah, I what? just gave
1: them like literally a whole thing of um, detergent to like play bubbles <laughs> with. I was, I'm just so over it. Um, but here's the thing, our next guest I hopefully can help me and us and moms mm-hmm. out there who are struggling. You know, I get to the end of my day and I go on ins- uh, YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and she came into my life via TikTok. And what she was saying resonated with me so much that I burst into tears because I feel like those what she's giving me, all these massive gifts of parenting, I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I do do at times, like a lot of the time, 50%, but it's just not constant. And I I need to try to retrain my brain and how I approach my kids. Um, So who do we have? (gasps) on next, Roxy, that can hopefully make us better moms. <laughs> okay, this
0: is the winner. This one's the one, okay? Yeah, she's she, the one that's gonna yeah, make yeah, us better. Yeah, she's the one, she's the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, she is the most amazing parenting expert. She's a speaker, she's an author, she's a doctor. She seems to have all the answers to these tough questions. I wonder how she have. fights with
1: her husband. Is it like, I, know, I yeah, feel yeah. I am? Or is
0: it like, you did,
1: I <laughs> would like to see. Totally, and
0: hopefully she will not tell us we're totally fucking our kids up. Let's
2: welcome <laughs> Dr.
0: Vanessa
2: LaFoy. <laughs> <Lepois. Woo! laughs> hello, hello,
1: thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I think, um, as Roxy said, like, you know, there's a lot of moms out, out there that are struggling, especially during summer, and just some insight, you know, into, like, what our kids are going through and, you know, how, how we can better parent them, especially, you know, it's, it's tough times right now. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Tough times, tough times for a long time. It feels like right now, we've all been really in it for a solid couple of years. And I think our children are at the effect of it because even if they don't know exactly all the things that are going down in the world around them, they are master energy readers which means that whatever is in the field around them they're like like sniffing it and they know (laughs) even though they don't know yeah
0: yeah (laughs) well it's like I feel like um you know Tam and I talk about this but I feel like I go through every day being like did I fuck my kid up today like I'm like (laughs)
1: The last thing I Are said, they going to be addicted to drugs? That's what I thought last night as I went to bed. I was like, mm, today was probably the day that they
0: yes, into an addict. It's constantly like, oh my god, the last thing I did was that the thing that's just going to like completely put them over the edge. Like, is this normal for parents to really think like this? Like to constantly be like, okay, did I fuck her up?
2: You know. I- I mean, normal is always this relative thing, but it's an interesting question. And I've been thinking along these lines a lot of late because of the the rise of this thing called the parenting industry, mm. of which I am a part, mm-hmm. <laughs> full disclosure. And I often think about um, my grandmother, who's long since passed, if she was still around, what she would think about what I do, like, for a living mm-hmm. and i can just imagine her looking at me kind of gobsmacked and thinking like hold on a second <laughs> you tell the parents how to do the parenting
0: uh-uh.
2: why do people need what <laughs> yeah don't you just do it why do -hmm. we need to talk about it and so I think it's an interesting thing because on the one hand we have all this amazing knowledge now like even my I'm uh, in my late 40s and even my parents didn't have access to this so this really is this generation of children Mm -hmm. and parents that have access to science and information about development and stuff that has never happened for parents before which is wonderful on the other hand I think it's freaked us right the hell out because now we have all this information and we're like, snap, Maya said that if you know better, you have to do better. Mm -hmm. So the pressure's on that. We all now have to perform. We know, you know, Dr. Vanessa says this and Dr. Stone says, says that Mm -hmm. this book says this. And so we're like, okay, I'm going to do all the things. And we feel like if we don't do all the things we've messed them up Mm -hmm. Um, at the end of the day, the science is very clear that nature would not be fool enough to have created children so delicate mm-hmm. that on a day or a string of days when parents are just you know maybe not their best mm-hmm. that that presentation of not your best would ruin your children nature's we uh, ahead of us on that and our children are robust mm-hmm. having said that if all they got was you know Yelly, shouty angry mom, um, probably there will be an effect.
1: My husband and I have this, you know, I wouldn't say polar opposite ideas of parenting, but because he is 11 years older than me. And so I'm more like, uh, you know, a millennial, but at the end of the millennials. Um, and he's, I think he's what, Jen, what's before millennial?
0: Jen X. Gen gen X.
1: X. Mm -hmm. he's more like you know obviously we don't do the spanking either we can go we can you know delve into that like I don't believe that we should touch children just like we wouldn't hit a spouse or a friend or an elderly person or a dog but he's more about the idea of like I guess the word would be punishment you do something bad you get a repercussion I do believe in consequences. Um, I do believe that consequences most of the time happen within the thing itself. For example, if my daughter is eating an ice cream and I say, like, make sure you don't let it drip, you know, you've got your napkin there and she's not paying attention and all of a sudden it drips all over her clothes, I feel like that is the consequence, right? I feel like, well, now she's gonna have to go through the amusement park with sticky stuff all over her clothes and she's learned the consequence right there. I don't know if I believe in like, okay, now that you've messed your clothes up, I'm going to change your clothes. And now you're going to have to sit in a timeout and think about what you've done. <laughs> so it's like trying to figure out like, how do we make our kids? And, and it's, it's hard to say like good kids. Cause isn't that, it's kind of like an asinine term, like, kids that are respectful and make good decisions and you know when they're in a situation as they get older they know not to do the wrong thing which keeps them safe because i feel like parents that's all we want to do is keep them safe how do we teach them that without it being like shut down throw you in the corner that is bad that is
2: good and those blank in those blanketed terms mm-hmm. good question you know one of the things is to come back to this foundational principle of um what children need in order to become the best version of themselves and what they need is a constant relationship with their parents where connection is at the center of all things, including discipline. Mm -hmm. And this question about consequences, it comes up a lot because I feel like there's so much confusion about it and certainly consequences that involve significant relational separation, timeouts, um, obviously spanking, any of those kinds of things are gonna be full of disconnection, the opposite of what children need. Mm -hmm. When we look at consequences, you're right, natural consequences are a real learning opportunity. And so, That those things happen, and we don't always completely smooth that over for our children, you know that they, they have to face kind of some of the. That comes with when things go a little bit sideways, Mm -hmm. on the other hand, when we think about development, and we understand that children are not by design tiny adults they are children, which means by, by nature, they are developmentally immature because they're still growing and they're still developing. Mm -hmm. It means that the brain isn't completely wired up certain parts of the brain that would allow Mm -hmm. them to think through, you know, decisions and make good choices and all those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. When you're eight, like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Listen, when you're 47, that's hard. I know, don't eat more ice cream. You should know that you're going to feel sick. I mean, at eight years old,
1: like. Yeah, Yeah.
2: so if we get developmentally that they're just not capable of those things, it actually puts us in this really brilliant position. And so to kind of answer the question, what I'll do is I'll give you a scenario. Mm -hmm. Let's say you are mowing your lawn. You're, you know, watching the neighborhood and you're mowing your lawn. And across the street, you see a mom and her circa five-year-old kid um, and they come out to the sidewalk and you can see the kid's really excited about getting on the bicycle. And so obviously this child's just learned to ride the bike. The mom and the child have a bit of a conversation. Off the child goes. And then you see the child veer out into the street off of the sidewalk. And you see mom come out and there's a little bit of a conversation. Child gets back on the sidewalk. Off they go riding the bike. Mm -hmm. Again, the child veers out into the street there's a bit of a conversation back onto the sidewalk, off they go riding the bike. And one more time, the child goes out into the street, there's now a bigger conversation. And what you observe is that the child and the mom are walking back towards the house. The child is upset and crying and the bicycle is going away in the garage. Mm -hmm. So the question is, has the child been consequenced or what is the learning that's happening here? Mm -hmm. Now let's put a script over top of the scenario. So let's say that this is a parent who believes in punishment or like um, contrived consequences. Mm. And the script would be, you must ride on the sidewalk. If you if you choose to ride in the street, then we're gonna have to put the bike away because you mm. aren't being responsible or safe with your bike, right? And so this happens and repeats two or three times and the consequences put into place. On the other hand, If we really get what child development is about, and we get that this kid's probably just really excited, and so frontal lobe flipping a little bit, not Mm -hmm. able to hold on to um, what the rules are, then the parent has taken now on the responsibility of, oh, my kid is going to need some boundaries around all of this because they're having a hard time holding on. So the parent might say, sweetheart, remember the rule is that we have to ride on the sidewalk. That's where it's safe. Uh, The child goes out on the street again, remember, this is the rule we have to ride on the sidewalk, that's where we're safe. And if it continues to happen, then the parent says, it looks like you're having a really tricky time, remembering the rule. It's my job to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. So we're going to put the bike away now, and we'll try again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You see what I've done? As the parent, I've put it on me. Mm -hmm. So there's still a boundary, there's still the opportunity for teaching and learning, but not on the child on the parent to be putting the bar at the right level for the child so they can jump
0: you know what I'm totally listening to you say that scenario and it sounds really good but in the in the moment when it's happening my instinct to protect like goes like this like if I were to see that happening and I'm like right fear the fear comes out and I feel like I might overreact even in that moment with her not because I want to like hurt her or my you know hurt my daughter or anything it's because I'm so fearful of her being hit by a car but uh, let's say I'm like oh you know hyper exaggerated at that point and I'm like no just you know come back on the street with me like I want to keep you safe so what do we do when when we you know that the emotions start escalating and the feeling is already there and you it's coming from a good place but Maybe it's not executed in the
2: best way. Yeah, um, two things. My husband who's in a similar line of work as me. That makes for good arguments. <laughs> and like that argument would be
1: very like your argument must last five minutes. You just say how you both feel, yeah. how you both need, what you need next time. Days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instead of us going in a circle, circle you, 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 yeah. defense, defense, criticize, 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 two hours. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's right. That's right. Um, He says sometimes you need to electrify the fence, which means that, listen, sweetheart, you just bumped into a boundary. And because it's a boundary that involves like life and death Mm. kinds of things, we electrify the fence, which means a big voice, not angry and uh, mean, but a big voice. My Mm. my boys, when they were littler, used to call it the mama's mean and business voice. (laughs) Um, So it's okay for you to get big you know, maybe not from a place of reactivity, but from a place of, okay, I got a job to do. The other thing though, as parents, and this one's hard, and I'll tell you, there are days, even as Dr. Vanessa will point where sometimes I'm like, yeah, I really like landed today. And then there are days where I'm like, wow, we really do only teach what we have to learn. <laughs> Cause I really am not landing today. And one of my friends described it as, um, She said it in a different language, which was way more beautiful. But the sentiment was that the path from the head to the heart is the longest road that we'll ever travel. So it's one thing to know, you know, what we just talked about in terms of consequences or whatever else. It's a completely different thing to embody that in the moment when the going gets tough. And that brings us to this understanding that um, we must never make our children responsible for our feelings. Mm-hmm. That we we choose. that's an interesting word. We choose every feeling we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning, that iconic book. Um, there's a quote that says, "Between stimulus and response, there is a space, and in that space is our power to choose." And that choice is your freedom. I just butchered it, but something like that well, still made me cry inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the idea is uh, our child didn't make us angry from riding into the street. What happened was that that situation flipped a switch inside of us. And when that switch gets flipped, we call it being triggered in the world of psychology, you're triggered. And every time you're triggered, you will regress, which means um, you become a younger version of self. So you're going to now manifest your three or four or five-year-old self who's having a <gasps> kind of moment. And there might be some yelly shouts and some um, angry words that come out your mouth because you're in a triggered state. That in and of itself, first of all, is not going to ruin your kid because you can repair that. And you, you do that not by begging for their forgiveness, but by, by, instead by saying something like, I had some yells and shouts come out of me. I don't love that. That's not the way that I want to be your mommy. And I want you to know that I know that I don't want to do that again. And that's all done. And I'm still really looking forward to going to the park with you or whatever. You just fix it up. And then you get to work. And by getting to work, it means you understand that that was like some childlike version of self that just went and jumped out your mouth. Mm -hmm. And that child version of yourself, because we're all the ages that we have ever been, That child version of yourself needs a little caring for. Mm -hmm. So in the mantra, you see it, you see what's going on with your kid. You feel what's going on for you in the moment. And then from that wise place, you can feel what's going on for your child. And then you can be what your child needs Mm -hmm. and you're doing what you say. The actions you take will flow from that being.
1: Everything you're saying is just hitting me right in the guts. Um, you know, I I so want to be this type of parent. I had a, a great mother who, you know, obviously in that generation had their own stuff brought down from their mothers, and you know, I feel like this generation's more aware. That being said, uh, my daughter's eight. Roxy's daughter's um, eight, I think, or almost mm-hmm. eight, and she's coming to me now with a little attitude. Mm-hmm. And she's, we call it sassing in our house. She'll come back and she'll be like, she'll talk back. She'll sass us. She'll be like, well, you do it. She'll get aggressive. And, you know, back in my day, (laughs) I ever did that. My mother would say, when your father comes home and I would get smacked on the tush, right? Again, probably wasn't good for me expressing my thoughts and feelings. And, you know, I was just told that that was wrong. I get it. But because of that, and because of that fear of my punishment, I didn't talk back. I, I, you know, I was trying to watch my P's and Q's and I guess stay in a box to make sure that everything was cool. And so when now I'm parenting, I don't know how to handle my daughter being what I would call rude. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want her to be rude in society. I don't want her to walk up to a stranger and like sass a stranger and be rude to a stranger because I, 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 it would be nice for my child to be respectful. <laughs> and I do think she is respectful when she's not with me. But I'm, my fear is that what I'm seeing in her now as she's getting older and all these feelings and maybe going through the beginning stages of puberty. How do I teach her respect? hmm if it's not based in, and I know this is wrong, but if it's not based in fear, which is what we're all used to, how does she learn respect? Because I don't think respect is just based in fear.
2: Yeah. And actually, um, the kind of respect that I think you're dreaming of for your child, is going to be based in everything but fear, it's going to be based in love, it's going to be based in gratitude, it's going to be based in generosity, it's going to come from that kind of a a love fueled place rather than a fear fueled place. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the first thing is that we always have to take the finger back. You know, like when you're pointing the finger at somebody else, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. So anytime I have a judgment on my children, as a matter of practice, I take the finger back. Nathan should not be rude to me. I should not be rude to Nathan. Where in my life am I being rude to my child? So just to check myself, to make sure that I'm really embodying what it is that I want um, to teach and model for my child. Mm -hmm. And then I think about, okay, what is the goal here? The goal here is first of all, that I model that. And secondly, that I give my child the information that they need Mm -hmm. in order to begin to onboard kind of like the way we be and the way we go around all of this. So it's not that in the world of gentle parenting or respectful parenting or conscious parenting, it's not that we don't have rules, norms, boundaries, and expectations. It's simply that the way we deliver them is without shame and blame. And so when a child talks back, the idea is you get to reinforce that that's not the way we get her done. And usually always behavior is communication. So there's something behind the SAS.
0: Mm.
2: It's coming from somewhere. And maybe it's just a frustration that happened earlier in the day. Maybe you're right that it's coming from somewhere. You know, she's beginning a bit of a transition developmentally in terms of puberty and other kinds of things, but it's coming from somewhere. So we can kind of understand that and seek to get curious, seek to listen, do all of those things. And then once they feel heard, then we kind of put the flag down and we say, hey, you know, earlier when you said, you do it. And you had kind of that voice. I want for you to know that in this house, that doesn't fly. This Mm -hmm. is not the way that we talk to each other. And I know that I can count on you to think about that more next time around and get it turned around. Does that mean that she's never going to sass again? Hell no. Have you met an eight year old, (laughs) especially a girl? (laughs) Of course she's going to. And it means that you've planted the seed and now we just have to water it. And wait for it to grow and then the final thing is you know my boys are 15 and 18 now their job starting around kind of those middle school years is to begin to step away from us mm-hmm. so that they can uh, no it's like
1: dagger it's in the keep heart having more babies just like the one doesn't step away
2: yeah oh. that's the thing. my eldest son has three more days of high school left and then mm. he's literally ready to be like grown and flown and i'm not okay we're not okay mm. we're not talking about it Um, their job is to step away from us so they can become who they're meant to become. They, they have to do that. And sometimes they get a little grindy in the step away Mm -hmm. and that can be some of the sass and some of the push is it's just creating that space for them to kind of, you know, take ownership of their own being. It's a good like time. It's I mean, like
0: it's
1: hard. It feels like loss, you know? I know it's not, but it feels like loss. You
2: know, it is. I think it is loss though on, on some level. It's not like a, a negative loss, but you, it, it's, a, it's a journey. And there is a, a sense of separation involved in the process of a child individuating, like becoming their own self. They, they until the age of two, they literally believe they're the same person as us. That's why kids develop separation anxiety, usually around 24 months, uh, if they're going to develop it, because they're like, whoa, what do you mean I'm a separate human? So (laughs) imagine, like, we're that connected. And then, like, one day they walk out the front door of your house and they, like, move away (laughs) to a university.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll be no.
2: there <laughs> in the next dorm <laughs> and I
0: always I always mess with this just joke with my daughter I'm like yeah you know when you get married and you move out I'm gonna move right in with you and <laughs> your partner and if you have kids I'm gonna be right there she's like mom in fact she's starting to like even remind me she's like mom I'm growing up
1: I know yeah, this is a Phoenix thing. It's like so I'm right. becoming an adult. I'm oh, becoming what? an adult. And
0: I'm <laughs> like,
2: you through it. <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm not okay with this. Um, but it, you know, it's interesting seeing them kind of go through these stages. There is, you know, my daughter initially was very, very shy um, starting out and growing up. And she still has that shyness when she's around like new people that she's meeting or new friends or new adults so you know we've kind of just let her figure it out you know as it comes but should we be trying to and i i don't know if this is the right word not break her of shyness but try to you know help help her push out of her comfort zone a little bit with that and kind of get her out of the show like i so i hear both ways like i i don't know what what is your advice on that because i'm like do we just let her be as she's been and kind of figure it out on her own or do we kind of try to push her a little bit
2: yeah you know shyness is one of those things because we live in a in a society in this part of the world anyways Mm -hmm. where um, kids who are gregarious and precocious are kind of rewarded for that like even when you take your kid to the doctor and they ask about, you know, and your child's not feeling well, they'll ask you, you know, are they playing with their friends like normal? like they're, They use um, social um, precociousness as part mm-hmm. of sort of a, a measure of health. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even on IQ tests, um, people who are really shy, tend to score about 20 standard points lower, which is the difference from being like an average range human being in terms of IQ and testing out low. So that's a big thing. So so on the whole, as a society, we kind of like have a hit on shy and we tend to not really embrace shy. Having said that, when we look at the science of child development, we actually know that shyness is uh, an inherent um, and healthy part of child development because children um, are meant to resist the influence of people to whom they are not attached. Interpreted into everyday language, you don't yeah. want your kids doing the bidding of strangers, because they can't be trusted. They're not part of the inner circle. And so they're not meant to be making big decisions for your child and those kinds of things. So kids are wired up to resist the influence of people to whom they are not attached, which is a manifestation of shyness. If you think about the continuum of children in terms of sensitivity, I'll call Mm -hmm. it. So on the one end, you have like, um, sometimes I talk about orchid children who are just like they kind of pick up everything, you know. And then on the other hand, you have the dandelion child who's just kind of rolls along with life and tends to be not impacted. The more sensitive your child, the more likely that they will embody that um, that protective shyness just a little bit more intensely. So. When you understand it through those eyes, you can see how you wouldn't want to force a child out of their shyness. Mm -hmm. You actually would want to spend a lot of time early on kind of buffering them against intrusions from the world so that they get to just be who it is that they are. With all that being said, life is about living mostly in your comfort zone, flexing (laughs) every now and then to spend Mm -hmm. some time in your stretch zone so you can Mm -hmm. see all it is that you're capable of and trying to stay out of the panic zone.
0: So oh my I don't gosh, think that's It's my whole life.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: in a nutshell, I'm like yes, yes. That? yes <laughs> my yes, anxiety—that is
1: exactly <laughs> on my gravestone. That's that's my that's my life. Live, life stretch to see what I'm capable zone. of, but then try not to panic. Literally, my entire
0: life. My life. <laughs> see, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder too if um, we actually. Maybe made her even a little more shy because we were so on top of like stranger danger, like because I'm so right. paranoid. like don't look at that person. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I no one but miss,
0: us. <laughs> you know, miss paranoia over here. I'm like stranger danger, like everybody. So maybe that even like made it more, you know, extreme. I have no idea. No, I don't think so. I do that.
1: I do you do I would, that? I do would you? wish I would beg for a little more shyness with my children. <laughs> I would, I would gladly welcome that into my world. My children are the loudest, most, exp- they have so much expression. Everything is intense. Everything is amazing or it's horrific. My house is constant screaming from joy and hell at the same time. Sometimes I don't know if it's good or bad screaming. <laughs> it does not end. When we get in the car, my husband and I have tuned out so much that I feel like we're half dead because we're in the car and it is so loud in that car that we just put the music on so loud that we cannot hear the noise. (laughs) I thought that when you have a second child, it's Mm. supposed to be, we're like, great, she slept through the night. This is the easy one. This is the easy child that everyone says, you'll have a second or a third and there will be one in there. Right. That will be a relaxing kid, or just shy, or easier, just a little. Mm. Like I hear Bray Roxy's kid be like, "Yes, mom." I don't know if I've heard "Yes, mom" <laughs> in eight years. <laughs> and then I know they're from me. And my, like I understand it, but but my question is, like, sort of Roxy would now. We've got half the parents who've got Roxy's type of child, and now we've got mm. half the parents who, like you were talking about, the two different you know flowers. It's so intense. I tried to to get a, a little tiny um, piece of bark out of my kid's foot. You would have thought <laughs> that I got a, a chain and just and literally was sawing at her bone. It, it was so traumatic for me. It was sure it was traumatic for her. Mm. I don't know how to navigate some of these big emotions. Like they're, they're, they're bigger than me. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, my colleague in Australia, Maggie Dent, talks about roosters and lambs. She and I often talk about we have to put dandelions and orchids together with roosters and lambs to come up with this like 4D understanding of who (laughs) children are. Um, It sounds like you have a couple of roosters. Two roosters. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the thing is, our children are brought to us in order to stir up within us Uh. (laughs) all of our unresolved stuff.
0: Oh my gosh. It's like
2: our our greatest uh, gift to us is to bring us to our knees (laughs) so that we can figure out, you know, what parts of us remain um, wounded or ungrown or unmanifested. And so it's not uncommon that I'll have a parent, a mom, usually a mom sometimes a dad who's like I am not this person I can't be this
1: person anymore like, okay. I'm a nice person like yeah, yeah. sometimes anymore
2: and the chaos all around me all the time is gonna like fry my nerves like it's just too much too much too much so that's the opportunity my own counselor she's like opportunity
0: <laughs> like, i don't want to hear it i don't want to have an opportunity i'm yeah, done yeah. I'm
2: good. <laughs> yeah you're like i'm done, I'm done. Right. <laughs> right and so you know everything is perception and uh wayne dyer said when you change the way you look at things the things that you look at change and so sometimes it's about like and it's not an easy thing this is like training for a marathon kind of stuff but it's about re-sculpting our thinking around the sound of the whining the sound of the loudness the sound of the fighting that it it we re-sculpted enough that it doesn't get us triggered but rather we're like oh check it out look at all this development happening around me right now it's so amazing or whatever that you you know find a way to zen yourself out in the midst of whatever the chaos is because if you argue with reality Byron katie's work you'll be wrong only 100 percent of the time if you have roosters and you you spend your life wishing for lambs. <laughs> you're, you're just miserable all the time, and so it really is about trying to find that middle ground. And also, it's okay for us as parents to take up a little space in the family to have you know like some quiet time every day where everybody goes to their separate places and spaces. Not as punishment, but just as like we all need a moment to decompress, and we're going to schedule that into the day because that's a lovely thing to do as a family. If that's your um, pace and that feels good to you, I, it's a wonderful thing to model for our kids that we too take up space in the family.
0: See, Tammin, we've got to do that because I think like especially as moms and parents, and you know, you almost feel guilty taking time for yourself, you know, and you almost feel like. you know, if things, if your to-do list is still, you know, you still have things on it to do, you're like, I need to be doing that. Or if, you know, once the kids are down, maybe you go back to work and like, keep working, you know? And it's like, I think we have to really learn how to retrain our minds to be like, no, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, like out of each day is so not even net, I mean, like vital to be a good parent, you know, and really Take that time, you know, I've been, away.
1: I've been better right? at going. Like, I hope this isn't mm. screwing them up, but like, I just randomly go for a walk. <laughs> like, I'll just be like, as lo- obviously someone's at home. Like, I'm, just <laughs> I'm like, see a two three year old, but I'm just like, I'm going for a walk because I I know I've hit my top, and then uh, again, I talk about limbic system a lot. But if I can't get it down, I'm gonna mm. have to regulate myself or things are going to come out of my mouth that I think can be detrimental. And I try to do that with my husband as well. He seems to take a lot more breaks than I do. Um, And I look at it as avoidance, but the more therapy we go to, I realize it is really healthy to come down some beats so we can actually Mm -hmm. have real discussions. But, but you're right. It's like, you know, all the great things that I think about my girls, which is like, you know, they're always doing dance parties and like, everything's like creative and, you know all, the toothpaste is everywhere but they've made it into a koala like all the things that make them special are also the things that drive me crazy you know <laughs> and I think that with my husband too all the things mm. that I love about them all like it's this fine line also <laughs> make me want to you know jump um so it's just yeah I think you're right it's just obviously trying to get your limbic system down and also just trying to lean into those feelings of gratitude and appreciation for who these people are Mm -hmm. because i don't know if i i would find it hard to have two lambs i'd probably be like this is not our family you know so Mm. so just being grateful for that you know and roxy should be grateful that she actually (laughs) has some
0: quiet time (laughs) <laughs> seriously I'm like okay now I need to work on fighting with the husband because <laughs> then that fills in for the you know the yeah, last you in yeah. your life yeah. yeah gotta get something but that's like another interesting thing too because you know sometimes it happens sometimes you're fighting with your partner and your kids are there you know and it's like and that is also constantly kind of plays in In my mind, too, because I'm like, oh, my God, am I also, is she getting fucked up, like hearing the fact that we fight, you know, and like, you know, sometimes we say things we don't mean and they come out of our mouths and it happens, you know, when you're in that elevated state. So, I mean, the advice that I hear is that you should then, you know, talk to your child about it, don't ignore it and address the fact that you fought with, you know, in front of your partner I mean, or with your partner in front of your child and kind of, you know, apologize a little bit. Is that true? Or is it a deeper conversation?
2: Well, I think, it. I think it's true. And I okay. also think that it depends. I um, separated from the father of my children when my mm. boys were nine and 12 years of age. And we rarely thought in mm. front of our kids. Mm. However, there was probably about six years of a Cold War, mm. you know, mm. where it wasn't over the top fighting, but there was definitely, you know, when when you can feel conflict in the air, mm-hmm. like you walk into a house and you don't even know these people, but you're like, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. There's some funky energy. Um, it certainly would have been like that. And now almost six years later, my boys will talk about that. And they really only probably witnessed one fight mm-hmm. right at the very end when things were bubbling over and very loud. Um, And the experience for them, that fight was not what the issue was. The experience for them is the ongoing current of conflict and negativity. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, it depends kind of thing. Certainly children will be unsettled in the face of, Uh, conflict between their parents and I think for you to normalize that like that's part of relationships Mm -hmm. we fall out of attachment we we come back into connection and Mm -hmm. the dance of that is what it is to be a human interacting with other humans and so we can normalize that you know sometimes that happens sweetie and and dad and I we had some angry words and we love each other and that is done and we're and then you kind of move on to what else is happening in the day just so you're like we got it it wasn't awesome Ooh. and we've got this. Mm-hmm. If it's a bigger thing, your kids are gonna know even if they don't know.
0: Um, so I guess the question is too, like how honest are you with them? You know, is it just like uh say I hate daddy? Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. That's from like oh that asshole. <laughs> yeah. daddy's an asshole. <laughs> I think that we have <sighs> to be very um wise about that. Mm. That developmentally, we have to understand where our, our kids are at and what's mm. appropriate for them to be led in on and what's not. Otherwise, children run the risk of becoming uh, what I would call parentified, where they're mm-hmm. going to try and step in and be the parent and mediate the fights and smooth over the relationship or shrink themselves to become smaller so as to not upset the apple cart because they know that already things are tough in the home or whatever. And we mm-hmm. don't want our kids to be in that place. So it's just calling it what it is, like it's Tuesday,
0: mm-hmm. like the
2: sun is shining. Mm-hmm. Today's a sunny day. Oh, and by the way, dad and I had some words earlier today, da 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 da, and that's done. Oh, I love your dad. He's the best mm. human on the planet. Through gritted teeth,
0: oh, I love that. Guy. I love that, man. <laughs> He's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, it's hard though. Yeah. You
1: know, a bit before I you leave because we only have you for a little bit. I have you know, let's talk about food. Mm. Mm. We have girls. Mm. Mm. I grew up where I was constantly noticing people around me dieting, talking about diet drinks, diet foods, looking at, you know, looking at their figures, how I want to lose weight. I wish I was this many kilos and pounds and, you know, constant, you know, magazines and all about thin is, is good. And having, being fat is bad. So now I have a, a daughter who, you know, she came to me and she was like, she couldn't get her, um, her swimsuit on because it was uh, wet. I'm so fat. I'm going to be so fat. Now the narrative in our household is always like fat is just a thing. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just a thing. We all have it. I have some, you have like, whatever, we have all different shapes and sizes. The thing is, and my husband and I talk about this a lot. There is a point where health is a conversation. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think when we're not even addressing that certain things are better for your body than other things, because it gives you strength, it gives you nutrients, all all these different types of wonderful foods that can help your body grow. There's like this weird fine line about, well, don't say food is good or bad, but then how are kids supposed to know to make good choices instead of just literally sitting down and eating tubs and tubs and tubs of ice cream and not knowing when to stop? We, we, We say, well, you know, let kids choose when the, when they shouldn't have, you know, a a whole tub of ice cream. They should know. I don't know. My eight-year-old, I don't think knows. I think she'll eat until she vomits, to be honest, because she just Mm -hmm. did taste good. What is the narrative surrounding food? Because I'm finding it really difficult and I really don't want my kid to go down the road. I had a lot of eating disorders from 15 to 22, bulimia, anorexia. I'm better now, although I still think it's still somewhere down there Mm -hmm. um, about, you know, being a certain size means I matter. So, how do we disassociate those two things for our kids, especially girls?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a big topic. And especially nowadays with social media. And I mean, there's just so much that hits their eyeballs and hits their earballs from such a young, tender age that they onboard um, that messaging, even if you're so conscious about it. Um, I think a couple of things. It always comes back to grow you to grow them and um, not knowing you from a hole in the ground, except for your glorious presence on social media.
1: Everything I've told you in this interview.
2: <laughs> I've laid it all out there. That um, that food would become something that you really want to stay on top of because yeah. it's something that has been a thing for you in the past. Right. And so, so it's hard to separate where you in that ends and your children in that begin on the one hand and pouring love into all of those places of yourself in an ongoing way um, will only stand to benefit your children and their relationship with food. And I do think that as parents, uh, it is our job to, in the same way We set limits for our children around how much money they're spending or whatever it is that we, we have some limits around that and not that it's labeled good or bad, but that there's, you know, food that we eat all the time to fuel our bodies and, and our brains and our minds and our muscles and all that kind of stuff. And then there's food that we eat because our mouths love it because it tastes Mm -hmm. really good. And that food doesn't necessarily uh, fuel our bodies, Mm -hmm. but it's lovely to have. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking to, um, nutritionists and dietitians and folks like that about food over the years, um, there's a lot of, especially when it's around healthy foods, healthy foods, foods that ch- fuel our body, that, mm-hmm. that we serve family style. So kids are able to fill their plates from what's put onto the table, that there's always options that we know that they will like, um, those kinds of things. And I think when it comes to the foods that are You know yummy in our mouths but not so fantastic for ourselves um that we have some limits around that and we set those limits in a way like you know the walls in this room are white like that's the tone that's the matter of factness that's the this is no big dealness about it like that's how we would say oh we're only having one bowl of ice cream each And and then
1: they say why and they go what can i have some more
0: why why?
1: Like, why, why, Like why can't I eat at camp and she's eating cookies all the Don't
2: time? Answer the so Don't answer the question. Don't answer the question. Um, the, the why, if we had another two hours, I would talk you guys through the traffic circle. But the why <laughs> is them entering into the traffic circle. And basically, our job is to not let them sneak out of the traffic circle by creating um, escape routes. When they ask why, and we say, because whatever the fill in the blank is, we've created an escape route. Now they can avoid the boundary that's been put in place because they think they might have like an angle to work (laughs) to get through it. So when they say why you can say asked and answered, or you can say, we'll talk about that later. Or you can say, I'm not telling you why my answer is no. And that's it. It's not a negotiation. Mm -hmm. And once they've, Deeply internalized the no, which you know, because they'll give and they'll give up. And the you know, raging child will kind of flop and settle. Once they've internalized the no, then you can say, you know, the reason we only have one bowl of ice cream is because that's what the cells in our bodies want from us. And so we're doing that for them. We'll have some more ice cream tomorrow. What flavor are you looking forward to? Mm. you're the best mom
0: I know <laughs> she like literally she has,
2: has my people. child so she's
1: not <laughs> fucked up so that you can parent her and then yeah. she,
2: the thing guys she we only teach what we have to learn <laughs> we like really sometimes oh. I wish people you know I we have this lovely chat and you're like oh you're so great and sometimes I wish people could be a fly on the wall in my house mm-hmm. and oh. I, I and I have these thoughts like the people pay me a lot of money to tell them what to do <laughs> If they could see
1: me now, (laughs) no more ice cream because it's bad for you. No
0: more. Okay. Can you leave our listeners and viewers with like three things that they can do today to be a more conscious parent? Like what are like three practical things I can do like today with their kids to to help with that?
2: Yes. Three things. First thing, try to find... Five minutes, and if you can swing it, 10 minutes of uninterrupted alone time with each of your children at some point today. And that alone time is on the child's um, wavelength, on their schedule, on their wishes. It's child-directed time where you just hang out, phone is off, put away, all the things, you're just there and available to them and look for your opportunity. So it doesn't feel really canned, but try to find five to 10 minutes of targeted, like I see you kind of time with your Mm -hmm. child today. Second thing, try to find some new eyes for your child. Every time you experience them engaging in challenging behaviors and all it is with your new eyes is to go behind the crust of the behavior into the heart of the child. Mm -hmm. So when your kid sasses you, your new eyes are, huh, what's going on? What's going on for them? That's your thought that you're gonna try to embody so that you can arrive at a place of compassion in terms of how it is that you're responding. Mm -hmm. Third and final thing. And it comes from a quote that my therapist gave to me, and I'll share it with you now. That which is to the greatest good of self, will be to the greatest good of all. Mm. So, what is it that you are going to do for yourself today, so that not only you are thriving amazing and amazing, awesome, mm-hmm. but the drip down of that to your whole family can be um experienced by your partner by your children by everybody around you that which is to the greatest good of self will be to the greatest good of all so that's it tamen
0: we're going to the spa next week
1: i know i'm like <laughs> hey, oh sure no problem right let's <laughs> try this thing called botox let's do it
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly we've but got I'm a lot
1: to like do New. Model. i'll be like i've done <laughs> the really good for me <laughs> like, yeah you definitely for the whole family. <laughs> i love it yeah. i agree i I agree. I do do that with things like exercise, and you know Mm. the way I I do take time out for me. But I think Mm. that there's more of a self love injection that I'm missing. Mm. And I think that you know I discussed with you when I got on here. I was bickering with my husband for an hour last night. I think if I just loved myself more last night, I think that that argument or bickering wouldn't have happened
0: because
1: I wouldn't have put my insecurities on him and blamed and criticized, I would have just been like, whoa, why are you feeling alone? Why are you feeling disconnected? Why are you feeling not good enough? You know, and, and ask those questions instead of putting it on him, which then in turn he gets defensive and it's like a whole cycle. So I think that if we loved ourselves a little more that we can, we can have better relationships. Yeah. Oh, because because most of the time we, I think, Mm, this might be, but we expect other people to change before mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. right and we're like well why aren't they giving us attention why aren't they loving us the way that we want them to why aren't they giving us what we need when like we're not doing it back like we're not starting starting with that you In know human
0: nature though it's so hard to like change your mind you know after decades of wiring
1: it's hard, it's hard to be vulnerable and it's hard to like yeah. look into the corners of yourself that Are dirty and like Mm -hmm. yeah it's like it's like cleaning out something and it's like oh it smells and it's gross and you have to do it but then it's it's so much better once you have Mm -hmm. but for me it actually reignites a lot of my trauma my anxieties Mm -hmm. my panic and like when you have those types of disorders all you want to do is avoid them Mm -hmm. oh yeah you you Mm -hmm. don't want to walk into another panic attack you don't want to walk into another anxiety spiral and you know but I had my first panic attack two days ago, and I haven't had one in like a year. And I was so proud that I walked out of that panic attack within seven minutes. Wow. Like, in, and and it all stemmed from self-love in that moment. I was like, this is what's happening to you right now. You've been through this before. Mm-hmm. You know you're okay. You can trust yourself. You don't need to go to the hospital because what are they going to do? They're going to tell you that you're ridiculous. Like you're just in your mind. So you know that. Mm-hmm. And I think that by walking into that place of self-love, I was able to walk out faster. And I think that's the same with relationships.
2: Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, the outside world is always a reflection of our inside world. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we want to be the only ones who love and see and hear us and it is that from a space of self-love we have to be willing to be the only ones who see and hear and love us and when we can be willing in that then we can accept the love of others in the way that they give it rather than in the way that we want it Mm -hmm. and we can find um find new eyes for that experience as well Mm -hmm. and you know I did a a workshop, um, several months ago with a parenting colleague of mine, and, uh, it was on co-parenting after divorce, which is always a good time kind of topic. <laughs> one of the, one of the questions at the end came from a parent who said, okay, that all sounds really lovely. Like, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. It all sounds lovely. Also that sounds really hard <laughs> and, and she's not wrong you know, when we talk about the kinds of things that we've spoken about today, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to live that way. It's hard to do relationship this way. It's hard to parent this way. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Not doing it is also really hard.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Maintaining the status quo and all of the fallout that comes from that, that's hard too. And so in this big old thing called life, we get to, we get to choose our hard
1: I feel like loving mm-hmm. is really hard. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. obviously, it's easy to love because it just happens to you. It feels like it's something you don't think about. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to love people so much that you have to show yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like, well, what if you mm-hmm. love people so much and they, they like, then you fall. Like, you're you're open, right? You're mm-hmm. an open yeah. wound, and then they don't, they don't love you back, or they. You know, it's and, mm-hmm. and i feel like even in, i've been and we'll let you go <laughs> I'm getting so deep I, I feel like in my relationship i've been with my husband for 16 years and like i've always got like a, a little percent holding back just in case he walks away mm. which i know i don't know i don't ever think he would because i think that we've been together so long and well that doesn't but i think we love each other enough for that not to be the case mm but I'm always holding a little back just in case, just a little back of my own ego, a little back of my own vulnerability, just in case I have to get up the next day and keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. So like to holy love is is hard.
2: Mm-hmm. It's hard and it's a big leap off a cliff into a giant abyss that mm. is always unknown. So it's challenging. There's um, this incredible writer and psychotherapist by the name of james hollis h-o-l-l-i-s and he's written several books all of which like bend my brain and make me crazy i have to read them six times in order to really make sense of them but the one that and it's not even an overstatement to say it really changed my life changed how i live my life personally and also how i see relationships between parents and children, co-parents, other people play Mm -hmm. out and the books called the Eden project in search Mm -hmm. of the magical other. And it really is about how we try and fill all the holes within us by Mm -hmm. seeking it from other people in other places. And he, and he says, one of the quotes in the book is, um, the purpose of relationship is not to make us happy, Mm -hmm. but rather to heal our minds. And I think that's when you say like, it's hard to be vulnerable and and Mm -hmm. you're always holding back those little parts of self. I think that's probably true for many of us because stepping into a relationship, we think it's going to be, you know, all the feel good stuff, but really the purpose of it is to crack us open. Mm -hmm. And then from there, like we become limitless, the, Mm -hmm. the potential that we unleash in that is infinite. And, um, it would be interesting to see how we may all change the world.
0: I or think it's them- also easier um, to be maybe a little more vulnerable with your kids, you know, mm-hmm. than it is to like, I don't know, I, I'm, maybe I'm, you know, different like that. But I feel like for me, it's easier for me to be 100% vulnerable with my daughter than it is for like me to be 100% vulnerable with my husband or like, you know, whomever, Like, because it feels more protected almost, like it's more Mm. unconditional.
1: I think it's more controlling. That's what I think think? it is. I think when you have children in some weird way, you feel like you own them. We do. I feel Mm. like the way you own them, you control them. So in a way you can kind of, especially when they're younger, control and manipulate
0: their love. Mm.
1: Cause it's, I don't know, it feels safer Mm -hmm. for me because it's like, well, they're mine. Right. So it's like, you know, of I course, tell, they're
0: gonna love me when
1: I can right. tell them when to sleep and what to eat, and what, mm-hmm. you know. But with when you love someone where you have no control of their being, mm-hmm. it's like being electrocuted in a way. Like you just you're constantly walking into like you know uh, someone who's not you, yeah. and I feel like you feel like you're. I I feel like my
2: kids are part of me, so I understand mm-hmm. them more.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: where they don't ever leave you go to school but they the likely like we don't often hear kids divorcing their parents so Mm -hmm. we don't have that it's safe it feels safe and that's an interesting world word control i i feel like you're right i think it probably Uh down to something in that
1: well thank you so much Uh for being here i almost cried three <laughs> times. So I was like, don't cry. Don't let her see your vulnerable state. Yeah. <laughs> Control Be yourself. You know, you're busy. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dr. Vanessa. Please let everyone know where they can find you and um, how they can hear more.
2: So, Dr. Vanessa is my website where uh, I talk about Lots of different things to do with parenting. I'm very active on social media at uh, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Dr. Vanessa LaPointe with an E on the end is how you find me. And can anyone see
1: you? Like like us? Can we like get yeah.
0: an appointment? <laughs> like how do we like
1: tomorrow? How do we book an appointment this afternoon? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. We do some <laughs> online consultation and um my husband is more available to that because of licensing laws and rules and where we have to be okay. boots on the ground as psychologists in order to support others and that yeah, kind of amazing.
1: So we can't get it so we do have some yeah. She's say. like I'm busy. <laughs> She's like how do I tell them I'm busy without telling them I'm well, the is
0: available. He's <laughs> <It's> very good. <laughs> <Here."> <laughs>
1: Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. Please don't forget to rate, rate subscribe, and comment. We are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women
0: on Top Podcast on Facebook. And I am Taman Sersok. And I am Roxy Manning.
1: And we are <gasps> Women, Women on. on... Take it away, Vanessa. Top! <laughs> <laughs>